I've always thought that it was pretty straightforward. When do you decide to go back to work as a new mom? And you just actually do it. And so I'm excited for today's conversation with Diana Cregan, who is a life coach for moms, helping them figure out that pathway back to work. And so she calls it back to work roadmap for moms. It's really interesting because it goes beyond just really doing the hardcore numbers of, okay, if I make this much and I, I get, that covers the daycare, then we're golden. So I kind of challenge you to think about that with a lot more open-mindedness than just doing the calculations and what the numbers really look like. So tune in into this conversation. You and I know that making smart financial decisions can be challenging. But in 21st century, financial freedom is no longer just for the 1% wealthy. It is for you and me. The question is, how do we find time, avoid making painful mistakes, and find the best resources to help us reach our financial goals? Join me on my journey helping busy families figure out how they can gain financial confidence and clarity, get actionable tips, and learn from the best experts on how to stop trading time for money. It is now the time you started living your best financial life. My name is Anna Shergunina, and welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. Hey, Money Bosses. Anna's here, and welcome back to the Money Boss Podcast. How to know when it's time to go back to work for most new moms or seasoned moms is one of the biggest decisions we're all going to be faced with at some point. And I know that... Uh, This does come up a lot in my conversations with clients when we're sitting down to do the actual number crunching, even before you kind of get to this point. So, but as I said, there's of course more to it. Our guest today is Diana Cregan, combines her skills as a life coach, trainer, and recruitment consultant to help women find their way back to purposeful existence beyond the family. So first of all, Diana, welcome. So excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. So let's kind of open up this topic because um, I am still somewhat a new mom, or at least I think of of myself as a new mom. And of course, um, I was, you know, I had my own plan of when I was going back to work and um, there was not a whole lot of thinking around it. It was more about Um, I had a business, I still have a business, and I needed to show up. So (laughs) that was my plan of how I started. But um, I want you to first maybe kick this off with uh, telling us a little bit about yourself and how this particular topic became of interest to you. And like, why do you coach women? And how do you think all of this through? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. So I suppose like um, many people working, um, you know, going from various roles, I didn't have a very clear picture of what I wanted to do, you know, when I was growing up. Uh, And I did a few different things and then moved overseas actually to America with my husband for um, seven years. And when we returned to Australia, I had to decide what it is that I wanted to do and I'd had a, a long background in recruitment uh, amongst other things and I just knew that I didn't want to go back into that. So I actually went off and did some retraining um, and went back to professional development, which is something that I'd been involved with in the past and ended up becoming a coach and getting accredited in coaching and was doing executive coaching because that was the, the most obvious place for me to start. So I did executive coaching for a while 
and that kind of morphed into life coaching and then I found myself doing a lot of career coaching and I ended up attracting the same person over and over again and that person was really me because I had been that person. It was a woman who had been educated, who had had a career in the past, decided to stay home and raise their kids and really yearned for something more, knew that there was something for them out there, but simply did not know where or how to start that process of getting back to a purposeful, meaningful role beyond the role of mum and beyond the home. Uh, And so when I kept attracting this woman, I thought, my goodness me, there is definitely an opportunity for me to be helping more women just like me out there in the community. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a lot of times that's how we end up helping mm. people just like ourselves, right? Like I've been there and so I, I totally struggled and I get it. So mm. when you work with 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 women that are just like you, right? They've gone through similar phases, experiencing same things. Mm. Um, so what what do you see like number one barrier or, you know, a, a few barriers that women typically face? Because it's not an easy decision. It's not an easy decision on the front end when you decide to take the time off, right? I feel like mm. a lot of that, and that's where like mostly my work, because we, at least for the, you know, for the part that I'm involved, a lot of it comes down to the numbers. Like, do the numbers work, right? Like, what if I didn't work and didn't pay for daycare? Then I don't have to earn such a salary, right? Or the question is like, well, can I not work um, and not earn a salary? So like, I feel like a lot of it is just number crunching and then, and then the clients go off and then of course they make a decision, but I know there's, a lot more to that. There's like the, the emotional part, right? And mm. um, not knowing that. So like, what are some of the barriers? Like once you got over that and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to spend time with my family. Um, what do you, yeah, where, where do you get stuck? Because I, I would think that it's a lot easier to go back than to start it initially, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting because quite often, uh, you know, when I have conversations with my mums is that it actually almost doesn't even matter how much time they've had away from the workforce, you know, whether it's three years, five years, 12 years or 15 years, there are very consistent themes about what what they see as holding them back, what they think the biggest obstacles are to holding them back. Now, I will say, you know, um, up front that the, the mums that I work with, Um, are mums who are in a financial position that they don't have to work. Um, You know, they want to go back to work, they're choosing to go back to work, and there's a really, there's a very big difference in terms of how you you approach that client. But for, for my clients in terms of, you know, really wanting to go back, the things that they think are holding them back are things like a career gap on their resume, you know, that it's, it's just too big, no one's going to want them, uh, it's too big to hide, um, and that they've got nothing to add anymore, they've got no value, they've lost all of their skills, they've got nothing to contribute back into the world and into the workforce, uh, and then, you know, that the family isn't ready. You know, the family won't cope, it won't function, it won't thrive if I choose to go back to work. If I choose to do something as selfish as look for purposeful, meaningful work, then um, I'm letting my family down. And they they think, you know, combined with things like I don't have a resume and some of the minor things, they think that those are the things that are holding them back. But really, what's really holding them back is how they are feeling about themselves and how they feel about their confidence levels, those are the things really going on inside their heads that are actually holding them back because all of the other things are really 
just logistics that we can organise and we can sort and we can deal with. Um, you know, the, the things that are really holding them back are the things like confidence, um, overwhelm, simply don't know where to start, uh, and fear. And that's that fear of rejection, fear of judgment, fear of failure. So those, those are the things that, you know, I spend a lot of time working with my clients. Yes, they're very practical, pragmatic things that I work with them. And it is just a process. It's a place to start and it's a plan and you just execute the plan. But a big part of it is also how they're feeling about themselves and building up their confidence again in their self-esteem and their self-worth so that they can keep moving forward. Yeah, it's 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 amazing through such a big transformation, right? Motherhood on its own that we we get to go through and end up on another another side, you know, feeling feeling completely different, right? On I think I feel like, and I don't know, I didn't expect any of you know any of this when I started. I didn't know what to expect, right? You just go in into it and then you learn how to cope with. Um, but like. I feel like it's a lot of the the mindset work you have to do, right? In order to to get there, like you said, just the logistical stuff, updating resume and getting all of that. But mm-hmm. a lot of times, and you probably see this with your moms too, that what if you decide to have more more kids, right? Like if you want to expand more family and it's just like, okay, well, I'm just, you know, I've stayed home for a year or whatever that you know timeline is. Maybe I can just do it for a little longer and be done. And then I go back to work. So like, like these, you know, sort of reoccurring events, how, like, I want to kind of get in the how of them, you know, help with the mindset, but if you present it with more, right, opportunities like that, like where, where do you begin the work is my like big question for you. I think one of the one of the first things that I start with with mums is understanding that life isn't binary and that their choices are not binary. Going back to work does not equal family falling apart. Um Going back to work doesn't mean I'm going to be a failure and I'm, uh, you know, and I am not going to be able to do it. Uh, Feeling like I have no skills, even though I've worked in the past, does not mean that when I get to work, there won't be any skills there for me to draw upon. It's getting them to see that life is grey. You know, it's not black and white. Uh, And one of the first things that I do when it comes to helping mums see that is that I take them through an exercise about going backwards in time. I get them to start by looking backwards to look forwards. And it's uh, I take them through a worksheet that pulls out all of their experiences from the past. And I get them to identify in the past what their skills were in the job that they were performing what were the um, practical functional skills that they had what were the behavioral skills that they had then pull out what the transferable skills that they possess and then we start to look at the future now it is a lengthy it is a bit of a lengthy process to get them to work out what it is that they want to do because many mums don't want to go back and do the same thing but it's getting them to see that they are smart valuable competent individuals and all of those experiences that they've had can be used for the future and moving forward and it's just getting them to see that and once we work through it in black and white you hear them start to say things like oh gosh yeah I remember that I remember that experience and I remember when I did this thing and I remember when I did that thing and they start to slowly, slowly rebuild belief in themselves and their and their competence and their capability. So whilst it might seem esoteric and overwhelming and a bit vague, it is actually a process and it's a step-by-step process that has a really big impact on their mindset and how they start to feel about themselves. 
I wanted to kind of ask on that when you like really go back in time and start to reassess these things, because what really has happened quite a bit and now us hopefully coming to an end of the pandemic of how a lot of people reevaluated, right, their skills and their abilities. And so um, they're not going back to a, a previous career. So they, a lot of mm. and women particularly, right, they're starting their own businesses. They're looking at like, okay, I was an executive doing this, this, and that, even in your own case, right? You've started mm-hmm. your own business. All the yeah. experience you've had, it may have not been around a time when you were having your kids or your kids were younger, but it still happened. So it's just, mm. it amazes me that um, out of all of this, you know, challenges, there's something better that comes out, right, on the other Yeah, end. yeah, absolutely. I talk I talk to my to my clients about um, recognizing and developing what I call the arc of their career. So often um, people look back at their career and they look at what they've done and think, well, there's no consistency. There's no I don't see a theme. I don't know why I took this job or why I took that job. But when I take them through a process of examining them, examining that those all of those experiences, then when I get them to look forward, I get them to see that oh, there's a reason why that happened and oh that's why and and you can start to see these threads and these themes develop so even if they end up doing something what they think is entirely different chances are really good that they're drawing upon skill sets that in fact they've been developing for many years and they've just been using in a different form so it's getting them to see that they're not really starting again from zero they're actually bringing forward with them all of these past experiences and skill sets yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, you know, I wanted to bring up something here in the financial planning process, or I call it in our roadmap, money roadmap development. And I mean, that's a typical conversation for a lot of families, right? Especially like around, okay, can I take the time off? But then if I do come back, what does the next phase look like from the financial considerations? Like, like right, if I, if I uh, you know, want to take time off with my kids, right? And, and then come back doing something in the next phase of my life, right? Or next career. Um, like what do the numbers look like? I've obviously for most families, that's a big question, right? Does it mm-hmm. really make sense? Is there money to afford everything that we're doing right now? So mm-hmm. I, you know, I get to kind of, you know, look at that as well, but it's, I think it's a, such a liberating and freeing experience when you know that like there's something you're really going to be excited um, about doing that, the numbers will work out themselves, right? Like you will, yeah. you will just work and, and create it. Uh, yeah, yeah particularly, particularly if you're, you know, enjoying the whole process of it. I do also really, and, I, you know, I hear it in Australia as well, so I know it's universal. It's certainly not, um, it's not just us. But there's a lot of conversation around, you know, and it is very expensive childcare. You know, p- putting your kids in care is a very expensive exercise. But what I want women to try and do or mothers to try and do is shift their mindset from thinking there's no point in me going back to work because it all gets swallowed up in childcare. And what I encourage them to do is to think about if they're in a partnership is to um, think, well, what if it's just 50% from my salary and 50% from my husband's salary? In fact, it's not all being swallowed up because a lot of people go back to work not just for money. You know, for those for those people who are going back to work because they want to work, work provides so much more 
than just an income and to deprive themselves of the opportunity to develop who they are as human beings because they see their salaries as the one being swallowed up by childcare is in fact the child is of both of them. So let's mm-hmm. split the childcare costs across both incomes and you each have the opportunity to develop who you are as human beings. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a complete view uh, into the picture. I don't know why it's assumed that, uh, you know, women's salary or income kind of pays for, unless that's, I don't know, but it's very true. I hear this all the time with yeah. clients. Yeah. Women kind of say, okay, well, you know, I'm staying home, so if I make money, it's going to be all going to daycare. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Yes. Mm. Different view really helps to think about it differently. But um, mm. yeah, because I mean, and, and it's not just maybe, you know, going back while your kids are, um, you know, very little, right? But also considering things like down the road, do I send my kids to a private, right, school versus mm. a public school? Because that, that's mm. the decision also ultimately. It's like, okay, if I'm working, I can afford to do that. Or even like here in America, the big question comes up, especially when your kids are real, real little. I'm sure in Australia too, like, do we save for college, right, education? Mm. Mm. How can we afford that if I'm not working? So there's a lot of... Um, numbers financial pieces that really go into this equation but I, I I love the work that you're doing because um I think it it's like it's probably necessary first to get somebody to like okay I see the picture and I know where I'm going I know what I what I want you talked mm-hmm. a little bit about um in our green room conversation about like finding your professional identity so mm-hmm. how like through these exercises and coaching sessions how do you like how do you do that? And what does that actually really mean? Yeah, yeah. So my my course is a like a six-module course. And the first module that I, I take all of my clients through is who am I? And often when I talk to my mums initially, there's a lot of kind of look, can we not, can we not bother with all of the fluffy stuff? Can we just get straight to the practical stuff? I said, well, yeah, of course we can. We can just go straight to the practical stuff. The chances are really good you're going to come back to the fluffy stuff. You're going to end up doing this work, whether you like it or not. It might take five years or 10 years to get there, but you will end up doing this. And the reason I say that is that unless you really have a strong sense of, or or not perfect, but at least a, a fairly good strong sense of who you are, what's important to you, um, what you stand for, what you will and won't tolerate, um, what motivates you, what excites you, you know, knowing what your strengths are, knowing what your skills are, uh, knowing the areas that you would like to develop. Once you start to work all of that stuff out, it, it's essentially like starting with a great big funnel and you have every possibility in the world of things that you want to do. And once you start to identify who you are and what's important to you, that funnel just gets narrower and narrower and narrower. So then you start to be able to be a lot more strategic in terms of moving forward. So in this first module, I work through a range of different exercises that are going to help them start to work out who they are if they haven't given a lot of introspective thought to that before. And one of the first exercises is values, understanding what your values are. Uh, And there's a terrific tool that um, anyone can do. It's online, it's free, uh, and it's called uh, viacharacter.org. So it's V-I-A character.org. And that's a free survey and that spits out 
uh, it's instant, a, a mini report which highlights your top values. Now, you can pay for the bigger report, but in all seriousness, the the free one is absolutely fine and it's a fantastic starting point because then you can start to identify and and work with that information in terms of filling out. Um, so, yes, I always start with who am I in order for us to be able to move forward to kind of where am I going, you know, what's next, where, where am I heading towards. Yeah, this is, this is so much so much align and kind of going in parallel and tandem with what we do in the financial plan, right? Our money roadmap. Same kind of first step, like what is it that, well, the big question is what are you trying to accomplish? But a lot of times people get stuck in identifying that. Like, okay, well, I want to, I don't know, have a million dollars or I want to buy a house. Or like we we think of, you know, finances in these kinds of terms. So, okay, so that's great. Those are goals. But like, why do you want? Why? Yeah. <laughs> And so that's hard. It's hard. I, I've done this exercise. I need to find a reference to it. But it's like so, something like seven levels deep. You ask like, okay, I want to have a million dollars. Why? Uh, because I can you know, buy the house I want. Why do you want that? Oh, because I can, you know, my family can be there. Okay, why do you want that? So like, <laughs> it's really helpful to dig deeper to like, yeah, oh, that's what I want. Because what you're doing what you're drilling down to and what are their primary motivators? What are their primary values that are driving all of their thoughts, behaviors, actions? Because it starts with the thoughts and the values. It starts with that stuff and then, you know, you, you do it. So I love it. Seven layers deep. That's great. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's what it's called. I think I, I'm going to find the link and I include it in the show notes and I'll share it with you too. Um, so that, you know, our listeners can, can look into, but I'm pretty sure it's seven levels deep. Um, I wanted to, to kind of um, ask how do you see, so the, the women that you're working with, like what, what happens in this process um, in regards to their partners, their husbands um, or significant others as they go through this process? Because yes, you you need to sit down and do this hard work, right? Like you need to deep di- uh, dip down within yourself, look at all these things. Who am I is a very big question. But like if you're raising a family together with someone, like when do you bring them in or do you bring them in into this? conversation yeah well you know that's a it's a very personal conversation because it's you know every everyone's relationship is going to be very different and how they how they manage that partnership is going to be very different um but you know on the assumption that you are you know happily in a partnership and you both want the best for each other and you both want each other to be happy then whenever you want to bring them into the conversation is fine it's more about um, understanding. I mean, yes, you can have conversations around, you know, what, or what do you think about, you know, this value? Do you think, you know, do you see that in me? Do you see that's the sort of person that I am? Or, I mean, yes, you can bring them in if you would like to, but they certainly don't need to, to they certainly need to validate or anything like that. It's more at the logistics end. Okay, you know, darling, I really want to go back to work. Um, I don't know that I want to go back full time, but I think I want to go back three days a week. Um, how are we going to make that work? And that might be a plan. That might be, okay, I'm only going to go back two days a week and then in 12 months' time I'll go back two and a half or three days a week. You know, what's the plan that we're going to set? If I'm going to go back to work, there are going to be changes at home. You know, so how do we start to make sure that the house continues to thrive? Okay, so if I'm going to go back to work, 
in nine months' time, between now and nine months, what needs to happen around the house that's going to make my re-entry back into the workforce smooth? Things like teaching the kids to start to do some really basic chores. Yes, they're going to do it really badly in the beginning and it's going to drive you crazy because you know you can do it better and faster yourself, but they've got to start somewhere. So building their competence around the home. What, um, you know, what load can be shared by the partner so that the mum doesn't feel like she has to do it all forever because if she goes back to work, she can't have two full-time jobs, which is often what happens when mums go back to work. So that's why I was saying at the beginning, often what they see is these massive barriers are actually just logistics and going back to work doesn't mean that you're going to go back tomorrow full-time. You might not go back for 12 months and you might go back part-time and that's fine. Let's set a plan. What's the plan that we need to create in order to make that transition really smooth? Where are the hiccups? Where's the friction? Where where are the things not working? Okay, let's pull it apart. Why isn't it working? What can we do differently? It is really about logistics a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you're talking about all these like 360 degree view of all of these logistics. And that's true. You know, I think a lot of us don't think that way until like you have, you know, a bad situation or something isn't working and mm. things aren't falling into place. Who's doing grocery shopping or, you know, things like that, or who's doing laundry because I can't do it. I'm at work, um, which I probably puts a lot more stress onto, onto that individual mom. Right. Yeah. Possibility. And, um, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's yeah. So hard. it's about the, that's where those conversations come in. That's where it's really important that you have the conversations around, well, it's really important for me to go back to work. This is where I'm really looking to extend myself. Um, how do we make sure that the house continues to run? You know, how do we how do we change it? How do we plan it? How do we map it? Maybe we bring in a cleaner once a week. You know, maybe, um, you know, we have specific days that we do the laundry and maybe there's a specific day that you drop stuff off at the dry cleaner or, you know, whatever it is. It does become very much a logistics exercise and once plans are put in place, trial them out. How do they work? What didn't work? What do we need to change? You know, it's, it is just a process. Yeah, it's great that there are a lot of women who can make this um, a choice, right, in their um, in their life because I, I'm not quite sure what, what the maternity policy is like uh, in Australia. We certainly have a very short maternity leave uh, for most, you know, for the most part. So a lot of women have to really think about financial peace really hard, right? Mm-hmm. At the beginning to, you know, kind of plan that out. And, uh, you know, um, it, it runs, runs out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if the financial numbers are all that stuff kind of put aside, um, it's probably a much better place to make decision from, right? Like from, from, from the, from knowing that you really looked at every little piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to see if there's a, um, a few other tools or um, exercises or ideas you want to share in terms of kind of getting people to think. So we talked about the, uh, the figuring out your values exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so there's a there's a really good uh, good book that I would recommend people read. Um, which is in line with helping you kind of identify what your values are and the, important, the importance of understanding your values. Uh, it's a book by, I think it's Mark uh, Ronson called um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an Expletive, beginning with F, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a. Um, it is a very flippant title and it's designed to be provocative, but it's a fabulous read. I read it in one sitting. It's easy to read uh, and I really recommend that as as a starting point of 
what are values, what's the importance of values and why should I bother even thinking about it? Uh, so that's certainly something that I would start with. Um, another, another exercise that I take my clients through is fear, understanding fear. So I take them through just some basic psychology of what fear is and why um, why it pops up and the fact that fear presents in many different forms and we don't recognise it as fear at the time. Um, but, in fact, fear plays a huge part in our decision-making every single day and we're not aware of it. And until you become aware of what fear might look like, you don't realise just how much it guides your, your life. So what I get them to do is go through an exercise of identifying the things um, that worry them, you know, what are they frightened of? What, who, whose judgment they're worried about? What's the failure that they're worried about? What is the very specific things in their head? What's the worst possible outcome? And I guide them through a process of saying that in reality, the thing that is holding them back, the thing that is keeping them from moving forward, what they think is going to happen is so unrealistic and so unlikely that they should just move forward. So really analysing these things that are holding them back to see I'm being held back for no valid reason at all and all of that reason stuff is going on inside my own head. So I've mm. got to work out what's going on mm. inside my own head so that I can actually start to live the life that I want to live and start to move towards the future that I want to really want to create for myself. But it's really understanding um, those things that present that are is in fact fear talking and fear holding you back. So that's another tool that I take them through. Um, I also get them to view uh, their networks quite differently. If you say networking to most women, um, particularly in Australia, but if you say networking to women, it makes their palms sweat. They hate the idea of having to sell themselves. And what I get my mums to see is that actually I don't want you to sell yourself. I just want you to be yourself. And rather than going to people asking for a job, you're actually going to them to create a relationship because you actually have no idea where your next job is going to come from. More often than not, your job will come through a contact, a personal or professional network. It's likely to be unexpected in many cases. When we know that 20 to 25% of all jobs that are filled around the world are filled via a recruiter or a job board, that's 80% of all jobs are filled through some kind of contact. So that's what I want to get them to see that they will get their job through a contact. So just start to have lots of conversations with lots of different people with relationships that are new, that are emerging, that are developing, um, but not to be selling themselves, just to be themselves. Because when you're trying to sell yourself, quite often it just doesn't work in your favour. But, you know, there's, there's quite a lengthy episode that goes with that. But really it's about being themselves and they can be themselves when they know themselves, which is why starting at the beginning of understanding who you are is so important. Yeah, wow. I didn't expect that to be the tool, but it makes <laughs> <laughs> It makes a lot of sense. And maybe that's even like after the, the, the fear exercise has been done, because yes, most people definitely dread the networking, as you said, as we do here in America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe the world has shifted a little bit with the pandemic and us being remote and things are, we're just connected, connected differently, right? So like when you say networking, I'm like, oh, I need to log into my LinkedIn account. 
seeing how that is like, oh my gosh, such a, such a crazy tool. But at the end of the day, um, hopefully if you worked on uh, the fears exercise, right. And kind of seeing that all of these things, reaching out to somebody or, or connecting or just being visible, um, the online world, I'm sure presents so much more opportunity. Yes, yes, it really does. Um, there's no question that just simply making yourself available for those opportunities, you have to start somewhere. And yes, fixing up your LinkedIn page is a great place to start because it's it's easy. Um, and in fact, I would argue that the pandemic gives us the opportunity to network even better because there's no travel. There's no, it's really easy to say to someone, look, would you mind just giving me 10 or 15 minutes? I'm interested in pursuing this particular career path. I can see that's your background. I'm not asking for a job. I really am just exploring and doing some research and I'd love to have a chat to you. It's much easier to get that 10 or 15 minutes than can I organise a coffee because there's only so many coffees that someone can do during the day. <laughs> yeah, it's virtual coffees. I had one of these uh, earlier this afternoon too. Not about a job, job search, but networking with, you know, with another yeah. fellow professional. So, yes, oh. um, so much easier. Yeah. So, um, yeah, any more or we're um, we're up with, I, I know there's four things to do, so that's already <laughs> created enough list. I think, um, look, there's a, there's a real combination between the, the mindset things like uh, failure, understanding what failure is, and right down to really practical things like, okay, so what is it that I need to be saying to myself every day that's going to remind myself of my, my competence and capability and uh, my hope for the future and my optimism? And I'm not suggesting that everyone has to be positive and optimistic all the time. That's just not human. Human beings are you know, much more complicated than that. But what are some of the things that I can say to myself? So things like, uh, you know, we call them positive affirmations, but what are things that I can say? And it's understanding how the subconscious plays into that and the importance of the voices, the words that we choose in those statements. So things like I'm getting more and more confident every day. Yeah, there's much more sense to saying something like that as opposed to I'm the most confident person in the world because if you're not the most confident person in the world, your brain is automatically like, "Ah, I'm not sure that I really subscribe to that. But by saying something like I'm getting a little bit more confident every day, your brain can absolutely latch onto that and say, yeah, I am, I can, I I can do this. This is is definitely possible. Um, So affirmations are an important one too. Think about the things that you want to say to yourself every day. Yeah, and I also found I find this. There's a lot of parallel with this, the mindset piece. Um, and I do this twice a day. Um, I practice the gratitude. I have a gratitude journal, so uh-huh. it's not quite the affirmations, but it it allows to release um, some of the some of this pressure, right? And so if you could just focus your mind for a minute, right? It could be a million things you're grateful for, but like I don't know, start with three, like. This morning, yep. I'm so grateful for a cup of coffee I just had, or like yep. leaves running around and just, uh, but right now, this, this, this one minute I have <laughs> to drink it is the most delighted time of my day. And the same thing in the evening. Like, there's- Absolutely. Yeah, gratitude is a big part of a part of what I um, talk about clients as well. I completely agree with you. It doesn't have to be an enormous thing. It's the small things in life that we do on a regular basis. It's just recognising that it's a real it's a real privilege to be able to, you know, for some of us to be able to have clean water, a lovely cup of coffee, somewhere warm to sleep, you know, it's often the simple things that are really important. Yeah, just life is just so busy for all of us. They're like, you can't get to it to it to think about it. So that's, (laughs) we've got to create the space. 
For sure. So um, in the time we still have here, I, I wanted to just kind of close with us drawing the connection between the back to work roadmap you creating for your moms and and my money roadmap because I'm sure obviously aside from okay you're going back to work you're going to make some money there's a whole lot more that's happening you know to a person so yeah any last minute thoughts on that look I think the most important thing for mums to realize that even though they start out feeling completely overwhelmed and the idea of going back to work is just a fantasy that they never actually think is going to happen. It really is um, just a process and it's about understanding what the process looks like um, and having a step one, you know, understanding that it's a process and the first thing is step one and just working through it and it can all be, it can all be dealt with and managed no matter how overwhelming that feeling is that feeling of being stuck uh, there is a pathway out of it and they don't have to stay stuck yeah I love that that's that's definitely really helpful so I know that um, folks would want to hear more on all these these interesting points you're discussing and um, how can they connect with you Sure. So my Instagram is backtowork.coach. My website is backtoworkroadmap.com. And I have a Facebook group, uh, Back to Work Roadmap for Mothers. Uh, and there's a private Facebook group there as well, but there's the, the public one and the private one. And my email is diana at backtoworkroadmap.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'll include all of these links in our show notes. And I just want to confirm, but I assume you work with moms from all over the world. Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I would assume so. It doesn't really quite matter because some of these things are no. universal. <laughs> That's it. Universal and the world is very digital. So it's very easy to connect with everyone. Yeah, I know. We joked about this at the beginning um, of, our, of our recordings. Like, wow, you're like in the future right now, at least you know, compared to where I'm located. So you may have some more insights into what it looks like. <laughs> interested in this conversation well thank you so much again for joining us today it's been a, an awesome conversation oh you're so welcome anna it's a real it's a real pleasure to be with you thanks for giving me the time oh, totally hey money bosses are you ready to get your financial life in order once and for all as soon as possible are you tired of living paycheck to paycheck do you often lose track of how much money you have to spend? Do you want to get your financial life together, but just don't quite know how? I am with you. I've been there. I've struggled through all of these. And I know you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to get better. So why do you continue to struggle? I know you can get your own money in order. It took me years to figure out. It took me years of pain, struggle, frustration, anger. But you don't have to go through all of that. You don't even have to get a financial planning degree like I did in order to be successful. Allow me to present to you my money flow system, a free playbook of how you can automate your finances, even if you hate budgeting. After you download this free playbook, you will never have to worry about budgeting. And who likes that budgeting thing anyway? You will stop accumulating debt and create a bulletproof plan of how to quickly pay it off. You will be able to pinpoint exactly what your income and expenses are. You will never have to miss a 
single bill again. And you will always, always have a solid idea of how much money is in each of your accounts. So head over to money-flowsystem.com to download my free Money Flow Playbook, a blueprint to streamline your finances in less five or five weeks. Guaranteed. Head over to money-flowsystem.com. Hey, Money Boss. Thanks for tuning in today. If this episode did help you, then please be sure to share it with someone else you think will benefit from it too. After all, smart financial decisions are for everyone. Uh, so don't be greedy. I hope I can help you even further by sharing with you how thousands of clients I worked with in my career over the last 16 years created their very own successful financial lives on their terms. It's hard for me to do this over an audio, and if you are ready for the next chapter in your life, then be sure to go to MainStreet-Money.com to get your free resource guide to help you begin correcting top six financial mistakes I see people make all the time, such as not having clear financial goals, not having a handle on spending or saving for the future, not knowing how to get rid of all the debts, and of course, not having a clear strategy or plan on how to protect your hard-earned money. Until next time, remember, you are the boss of your money.